Thank you, Randy and choir, for leading us in worship today. I'd like to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and look with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, as we continue our way through this declaration of God to His people. If you're visiting with us this morning, let me extend to you a welcome as well. We're grateful for your being here with us today. It is our habit at Woodlawn to take books of the Bible and to preach through them. We rotate between Old Testament and New Testament, for we believe that God has spoken equally through each of these books. And if we want to know who is God, then we must give our time and attention to the hearing and preaching of God's Word, for we know who He is through His Word. We continue this narrative today in the book of Exodus, and last week we saw the Lord's communication with Moses. That communication with Moses continues today. In fact, uh, go back to the very beginning of chapter 12. You'll notice in chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible begins with these words, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. And now he's going to begin this communication on behalf of God to his people as it relates to two issues, Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And you'll notice Passover is primarily verses 1 through 13. In the beginning here in verses 14 through 20, we get a conversation, communication from God about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But in total, we get a declaration from God about these two feasts in 20 verses, verses 1 through verse 20. But then notice the response. Moses is now going to go before the elders, the people of Israel. He's going to respond to them. He's going to communicate to them what God has spoken to him. And how many verses does Brother Moses take to communicate the Lord's directive to the nation of Israel? Six and a half. Six and a half that's recorded for you and for me. We'll get to that in just a few moments as to why I think that is indeed the case, at least from the revelation of the text of Scripture as we have it in its final form. But God has clearly communicated to His people, and His purpose in communicating to His people is ultimately He wants them to remember throughout their generations God's work. Think about how so many things are woven into our own hearts and lives, into the psyche, the routine, of our lives as individuals and our lives as citizens of this country that are moments for remembering. We have Memorial Day. And what do we do that day? We reflect, we remember about and give thanks to God for men and women who have given their lives in service to this country. We celebrate the 4th of July. What are we doing on the 4th of July? We're remembering the formation of of this country. Exodus chapter 13, God has already told his people what he is going to do. He has brought them out of the land of Egypt, away from slavery. And look at chapter 13, verse 3. Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand... The Lord brought you out from this place. In fact, in this text, God is reminding, in this text I mean in this text in chapter 12, 
God is reminding the nation of Israel that he's ultimately doing this work, and he wants them to remember. This is why he's giving them the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, so that throughout their generations, they might regularly remember the work of God. And think about it in the context of our own gathering. There's a reason why the church began to gather on Sunday. There's a reason why the people of God for generations and for centuries have come together on Sunday morning. Now, some of you think that you came together this morning so that you could check on your offering envelope in Sunday school, read my Bible, and attended church. Come on, some of you got to remember that with me. Don't you remember, I grew up in these old country churches, and over here on the side of the wall from Sunday school, it would tell you. Uh, We have 100 members, 40 of you showed up, 12 of you read your Bible, and 10 of you gave. I remember that as a little kid. But we're not showing up, Brother Rob, just so I can check that offering envelope and say I was at church. Friends, God has woven into your heart and in your life this day as a moment of remembering God's work in the past and in the present. It's why you and I so desperately need together with the people of God. Why do we celebrate the Lord's Supper? Why was the Lord's Supper the indication from the text of Scripture? We don't have an exact clear reference that, that says you must take the Lord's Supper every Sunday or that the church necessarily took it every Sunday, but it would seem that the testimony of the New Testament is that the church participated in the Lord's Supper on a regular event, more than likely every time they gathered. Why was the New Testament church participating regularly with the Lord's Supper on a weekly basis? To remember. And in case you've forgotten as an adult, reflect back when you had small children in your home. Or for those of us who still have children in our home. How many times are you having to repeat yourself for a child to do what? Remember. In this text this morning, God has given to the nation of Israel this communication of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Ultimately, that through the generations, Israel might remember the work of God. Now, we're going to see combined in this text today. Last week, we saw the communication of Passover today in verses 14 through 20, you're going to see the communication of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then beginning in chapter, in verse 21, Moses is actually going to ready and prepare the people for what they need to do uh, for, for Passover because it's coming. And you'll notice beginning in verse 29. So we actually have in this text today a combination of the combining of these two festivals, of the festival of Passover, the Feast of Passover, and of Unleavened Bread. And we learn through the combination of these two texts, while, while unique in and of themselves, intricately connected, and these two, these two feasts together communicate for us Passover, communicates for us the what? And the Feast of Unleavened Bread communicates for us the why. It gives for us the purpose. We sang just a few moments ago, 
Jesus paid it all. Listen to the words of this chorus. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The Passover communicates to us the what? Your sin and my sin deserved the wrath of God, and God poured out that wrath on your behalf and my behalf on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through that event, God has cleansed you and me as white, white as snow if by faith we trust in Jesus. The what? But the why? The Feast of Unleavened Bread? So that we might live holy, righteous lives. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. The what? You and I owe our lives in total to Christ. We begin here in this narrative with these words continuing from the Lord to Moses that Moses will then repeat and communicate to the nation of Israel. Hear the words of the Lord in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. This day, this day shall be for you a, what type of day? A memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord for how long? Throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leaven from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you, and you shall do what? Observe. You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt, therefore you shall Observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the 14th day of the month at the evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of that month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner, or native of the land, you shall eat nothing unleavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat what? Unleavened bread. This concludes God's communication to Moses and Aaron of these two feasts that they are to celebrate throughout their generations, throughout their years. Passover, a memorial, a remembering of what God has done to provide salvation and the feast of unleavened bread to continually remind Israel of exactly what type of people they are to be. They are, be, they are to be a people who stand ready at all times to walk in obedience to God. They are to be a people who are continually removing the leaven, as we'll see in a few moments in the New Testament. Jesus, Jesus himself mentions the leaven of the Pharisees, Paul in 1 Corinthians Chapter 5 is going to use this imagery as well in this feast. 
serves as a reminder to you and me as God's people that we should continually work hard at ridding our lives of sin. And so this communication begins in verse 14, and we learn a number of things that we've already heard from God. Number one, this this feast will for sure be a memorial. It's to be something that the nation of Israel would give attention to on a yearly basis so that they might remember and be reminded of God's work in this specific way. And it's to be a memory that is to be passed on for generations to come. In other words, God is setting in the very foundation, in the very fabric of the nation of Israel an expectation that one generation shall declare the truths of God to another generation. It's a serious event as well. Twice in this text, first time we saw last week, so three times in total, twice in this text, we understand the severity of wrong worship before God. We understand the severity of what it means to approach God in a wrong way. Notice what this text says twice. You will be what? Cut off. Now, as you read throughout the New Old Testament, particularly the Old Testament, there are a number of meanings to this word cut off. This word cut off could literally be death for you. It could be childlessness. Not only could it be death for you, it could also be death for, for others in your, in your family line. There was a seriousness to the way in which this word was used. It's used some 30 times in the Old Testament, oftentimes in relationship to the way Israel worships or toward sexual purity. So we understand from this text, it's something that the nation of Israel is to do regularly. This is, this is something that the, that the Lord has given to the nation of Israel to be passed down from generation to generation. They are to communicate the truth of God. It's something that is very serious. It carries immediate earthly consequences for responding to God in the wrong way. And notice the specificity that God gives. Much like you remember last week with the with the Feast of Passover, we learned that the Feast of Passover is going to take place in the first month for the nation of Israel. And they are to announce it, and on the 10th day, they're to go and get that perfect lamb, and then on the 14th day, they are to slaughter it. In the same way here in, in, Pass, in, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we get this same type of communication from God about the clarity in terms of how long it is to take place and exactly how the nation of Israel is to carry out this this feast. There's no ambiguity on behalf of God to his people for how he wants them to observe and to practice. Notice verse 17. Sorry, verse 15. How long are they going to have to eat unleavened bread? Seven days. They've got to eat this nasty stuff. What are they supposed to do on the first day? You got to go throughout the entire house and remove all of the leaven. He doesn't want any leaven left in in the house. And by the way, 
Nothing is to take place on the first day of this observance or, or the last day. It's to be holy in that way. It's to be a day of intense focus. Look what he says as well. You can work, but only to cook, to provide for what your family might need for sustenance that, on that given day. On the first day, verse 16, you shall hold a holy assembly. It's to be a holy assembly before the Lord, and then do it again on the, then do it again on the seventh day. So we get all this specificity concluding down in verse 19. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats it, he's going to be cast off. Whether you're a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing, nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. God is serious in his commands for how you and I are to worship him for how you and I are to approach him. And friends, notice God has given, given this type of reflection to his people, not as a means of a burden. Not as a means of, oh, I've got to do this again. God has given this to his people as a means of joy and a means of holiness. And likewise, friends, our coming together as the people of God on a weekly basis is not intended to be a burden in the heart and the life of a believer, but it's intended to be a joyous occasion in which we gather to reflect upon this gospel narrative of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. In other words, Sunday isn't something that I have to do. Sunday is something that I am able to do. Something that I have the joy of participating in. So verse 20 concludes the thoughts of God to Moses and what Moses is to repeat to the nation of Israel. And in verse 21, through the first part of verse 27, Moses begins his instructions to the nation of Israel. Now, what you, and I ha you and I have a, a synopsis of what Moses, at least here, a synopsis of what Moses is going to communicate to the nation of Israel. I believe Moses accurately and rightly, completely communicated to the nation of Israel exactly what God intended. In fact, we see this recommunication of certain of these acts throughout the, the Pentateuch. And so we know Moses has clearly communicated to the nation of Israel. But there are a number of things that are missing in this text. Think back to last week concerning the Passover. How were the people to prepare for Passover? They were to take their tunics and gird their loins, right? They were to not even have sandals on their feet. They were, they were, they were, they were going to leave out quickly. But none of this is communicated in this text. So here Moses' communication back to the nation of Israel, verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves, according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. 
None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood of the, on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Then notice this language again. You shall do what? Observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. You shall keep this worship. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And notice what God's redemptive work always does in the hearts and lives of those who believe in him. They bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Moses recounts in writing here, he strikes at the very heart of what God is wanting his people to know and understand. We might even say it this way, Moses in this text gives us in large measure, more the theology behind why and what God is communicating, more than he gives the very specific steps of how it is to be accomplished. For Israel would need to be reminded again and again and again of this great theological concept of God's sacrificial work on behalf of the nation of Israel, and be reminded what he is actually calling them to. In these verses, we notice a number of things that are unique in the communication of the Passover, as opposed to what God had already given them in verses 1 through 13. Come back to your Bibles, and let's begin in verse 23 of this text. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Now it's interesting. As you read this communication back in verses 1 through 12, the people bore responsibility of making the sacrifice, even as they do here. They bore the responsibility of placing the blood on the two doorposts and along the lintel. And the Bible tells us through that that the Lord will spare them. And it is true, even in this text, there is the mention of blood. But look at this phrase again. The Lord will pass 
over. So friends, the nation of Israel bore responsibility and so did the Lord. The nation of Israel had to respond by faith. They had to listen to the word of God. They had to go and sacrifice a lamb. They had to actually put the blood on the doorposts and on the lentils. They had to rightly respond by faith to what God was calling them to. But notice the text as well. God was also at work. And what was God doing? Randy, you wove into these narratives this this morning, and you mentioned at the very beginning this concept of God's protection. And look what we see in this text, friends. God himself at work protecting his people. It's not just the blood. It's not just the blood on the doorpost on the lintel. It's an active work of God himself. God will protect you himself from the destroyer. We see God at work protecting the nation of Israel. We see God's protecting presence at work throughout his relationship with the nation of Israel. As we think about God's work and, and calamity, we understand from the Old Testament that it rains on the whom? on the just and the unjust, on the righteous and the unrighteous. When God causes calamity, when a hurricane blows up in here, guess what happens? My house gets affected just like my ungodly neighbor's house, right? We go back to Genesis chapter 18 and you see this communication between Yahweh and, and Abram, Abraham. How, 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 how was Abraham and Sarah and the others going to be spared from what God was going to do? If they would have stayed where they were, guess what would have happened? They would, they would have experienced destruction. Think of, think of Lot and his family. If Lot and his family did not leave Sodom, guess what happens to Lot and his family? Lot and his family are destroyed. If Noah and his family do not get on the ark... They would have drowned just like everyone else. But notice what God is doing here, friends. In response to God's call, in an act of faith and obedience, on behalf of the nation of Israel, God protects himself his people, from the destroyer. And friends, this isn't a communication of God's past acts at which you and I look at and marvel and give thanks. But the narrative of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread is also the way in which God is presently working on my behalf and on your behalf. God is still at work in this exact same way. Let's look at the what or the purpose for. Let's go back to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We learn in this Feast of Unleavened Bread that the nation of Israel is to rid themselves of this leaven so that the leaven would not be in their homes. And and there were a number of purposes for that so that they might remember it, how fast they were they were supposed to, to leave the nation of Israel. But how does, it, 
the nation of Egypt. How does the New Testament understand this leaven? Look with me at a couple of quick texts in the Gospels on behalf of, of Jesus and his, and his conversation with, with the Pharisees. How does Jesus respond and, and reflect using this narrative of leaven? Look in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 6. Matthew chapter 16, verse 6. And hear these words. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of what? The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. How do you think Jesus understood leaven? Was it a good thing? It was a poison, wasn't it? The poison, the theology of the Pharisees and the Sadducees will lead your soul to eternal separation from God. Look back in Mark, or look ahead in Mark chapter 8, verse 15. Mark chapter 8, verse 15. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf of them in the boat, and he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. We get a similar conversation from Jesus in Luke chapter 12. But how does Paul understand this concept of leaven? Look with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is going to admonish the congregation in Corinth. They're an arrogant group of people. Why are they an arrogant group of people? Because they suppose they know better than God. How do they suppose they know better than God? They are completely comfortable and content with allowing sin to be pervasive in their midst, and they're unwilling to deal with sin. So Paul writes this letter to them to correct them in this way. And listen at how Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Begin with verse 4. When you assemble in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. What boasting? Paul is claiming that their unwillingness to practice church discipline upon one who is living in unrepentant sin is arrogance. Your boasting is not good. Look what he says. Do you not know that a little leaven does what? Leavens the whole lump. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ... Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival. What festival? I believe contextually he's talking about the Lord's Supper. Let us celebrate the Lord's Supper, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. How does Paul understand leaven? Paul understands leaven to be sin. But think of that image. Why must the nation of Israel remove all leaven out of their house? How much leaven does it take to ruin a whole lump of dough? How much do you need? You need just a little. 
You don't need a whole lump of dough that already has yeast in it to mix it in with a little bit of dough that doesn't have yeast. You need just a little bit. And isn't this an image of what sin does in our lives, friends? This is why Paul is telling us to take every thought captive. Because one lustful thought leads to a collection of lustful thoughts which yields itself and perversion in your life. Pastor, it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I just, had, I just had one look at pornography. It's not that major. It's really not a big deal that I just gossip once a week. Primarily every Sunday we leave the church. I talk about how much I really don't like that preacher. I just do it once a week. It's really not that big of a deal. And what's Paul saying? It just takes that one look. It just takes that one lustful thought not submitted and repented of. It just takes that one moment of a loose tongue to lead you down a lifetime. And it's destructive. And it ruins our lives. This is why Peter will tell us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. How much slander, how much gossip should I put away? Every last bit of it. Otherwise, we end up in a situation like what Paul has it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Do you think that this young man, one day, after having lived his life completely, totally in purity, just woke up and said, you know what, I think it would be really interesting today if I would go have sex with my father's wife. It didn't start in just a single moment. It started because he let a little leaven in here, and he let a little leaven in there. And before he knew it, his heart and his mind were riddled with lust. So, what's God doing with the nation of Israel? In Egypt, with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He's reminding the nation of Israel that God has brought them out of Egypt, but the problem for too many in Egypt is they like to go back to Egypt, back to Egypt in their actions, back to their idolatry, back to their paganism. Through the celebration of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the nation of Israel they were to be reminded of God's call that they walk in purity and in holiness. And in fact, as you continue your way throughout the Pentateuch, the combination of these two truths 
occur over and over and over and over again. Listen to how Moses reminds the nation of Israel of exactly what God had done for them. He's in this section in, 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 uh, in Leviticus where he's given them all of these law codes. For I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourself therefore, and be holy for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. For I am the Lord, listen to this phrase, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Do you see what Moses is doing in this recounting of God's word to the nation of Israel in Leviticus? He's combining the feast of Passover with the feast of unleavened bread. He's reminding them of what God has done in providing salvation. And the purpose of why God has provided salvation is that we might be holy. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread is designed for you and me to ask and answer the question, just how much of Egypt is still in your heart, in your heart, in your mind? Just how much of the culture is still in your heart and in your mind? Just how much sin that this world has to offer do you enjoy in your heart and in your mind? The feast of Passover of unleavened bread reminds you and me that we are to get every single last bit of that leaven, of that sin, out of our hearts and our minds. This text also reminds us of the diligence that we as parents and grandparents and a community of faith have in communicating the truths of God's word to the next generation. We go back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, work our way through that narrative and read this text today. Numerous times we are told that the intended purpose by God is that the nation of Israel might teach their children. Let me take a time out for just a few moments and recount God's incredible grace in this way in the life of our church. Let me make application. Ten years ago, and actually the narrative goes back far longer than ten years ago, fifteen years ago, you guys as a church set out on a journey, realizing that you had been given incredible resources, and you'd use those resources well, you'd come to the moment where you understood that those buildings that we had for children's ministry space had outused their time, and, and we needed to do something about it. And it was a journey. It was a process. It costs money. It costs time. And finally, in 2018, we began construction, the process of building this building. Why? As our theme verse tells us, Psalm 145.5, so that this church might continue its rich tradition of communicating the truth of the gospel to the next generation. Some of you might not, some of you might not know this. Woodlawn Baptist is the oldest Baptist church in East Baton Rouge Parish. This church 
has had a rich tradition of communicating the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for almost 200 years. And we built that building for the purpose of continuing to teach children and adults the truths of God. And I think we shared this with you just a few weeks ago. We went into the building, we used the majority of the space, and three weeks ago, we are now using every single room in that new building. Every single one of those children rooms this morning had young children in those classes who were hearing the truths of the gospel of Christ. They had a faithful teacher who is in that classroom communicating to a next generation of young children the goodness and the greatness of God. Did you hear me? Every single room in the building filled Like Israel, we too, collectively and individually fathers and mothers in the context of your home, have a responsibility of communicating this glorious message to future generations. How do you do it? You do it by regularly participating in the body of Christ. You do it by gathering your children in your home and teaching them the truths of God's word. You, you do it by investing in your children's lives through ministries in this church like Bible Drill and Awana and Student Ministry and D-Nows. You do it by participating in family camp with us once a year. How are you? Mom, dad, grandparents, How are you, whose children left a long time ago, or by God's providence, never had physical children yourself? How are you investing in the future generations of God's people and people that don't know Christ? The Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover reminds you and me that we bear this continual responsibility of communicating the truths of God's people. And the Feast of Passover. Place the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts and the Lord will pass over. The Feast of Passover. The why. Reminds you and me that we desperately need a work of God applied to our own hearts and lives. We are reminded through the celebration of Passover that, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness of sin. We are reminded as we gather on a weekly basis in the context of this faith family of exactly what God, through Christ, has accomplished on our behalf. And we're reminded of our role to trust, to believe, to have faith in a God who protects and provides for His people so that His people might walk in holiness. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we...
take a moment and reflect upon the preaching of your word. We thank you for the way in which we see your gracious acts. We thank you, God, that you have given to us, your church, your people, these commands to remember and to reflect and to respond. So God, we ask in this moment that we might respond rightly to you. Would you take a few moments, friend, where you're seated and respond to the preaching of God's word? Friend, if you're not here and you've never had the blood of Christ applied to the doorposts of your life, would you trust in Christ today? Would you look to the sacrifice that God has made on our behalf through Christ? And would you believe? Would you by faith trust Confess that Jesus is Lord. Would you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? And for we believers, how much sin are you currently tolerating in your life? Would you ask God to recall your sins to your mind and would you confess them now to God? As our brother Randy reminded us earlier that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How are you being diligent to communicate the truths of God's work to those around you, to family, to friends, to children, to neighbors, to co-workers? In just a few moments, we're going to stand and corporately respond to the preaching of God's Word. If you're here today and you have questions about what it means to trust in Christ, to see Jesus as your Passover lamb, to turn from yourself and to turn to Christ, as we sing, myself and Pastor Travis will be standing down front. We'll be glad to share with you how you can trust in Christ. But friend, you don't have to walk forward and talk to one of us. Please feel free to turn to someone seated around you, for there are plenty of people seated around you who know the narrative of Scripture and would delight in sharing with you how you can trust in Christ. Perhaps you'd like one of us to pray with you. To pray that you'd be more diligent and faithful in communicating the truths of Scripture to your children, to your Sunday school class, To a lost neighbor, we would delight in shepherding your hearts by praying for you. And thirdly, 
Maybe God has impressed upon your heart that this is a congregation in which you need to be connected to live out your life on mission with God. This would be an opportunity for you to express your interest in being part of this faith family. God, as we respond to you now, may our response be pleasing to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.